Welcome to Out and Down, or as some people may think of it, Down and Out. I'm your host, Sarah, joined today with my friend, Chrissy Ungru. Welcome to the podcast. We're now on double digits. We're on episode 10. Um, so, Chrissy, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Like, like some of the stuff you do for work? Um, a little bit. I'm a simple gal. I like to tattoo. I like the band Kiss. And I like my cats. There ain't much else to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's more, but it's fine. But, so, uh, I mean, yeah. How long have you been tattooing? I'm a baby tattooer. Uh, I hit three years on January 1st. So it's been three years, one month, eight days. Nice. Yeah. Down to the day. <laughs> yeah. I could get down to the hour, but I don't feel like doing the math. <laughs> so. Fair enough. So what's your favorite tattoo you've done? It uh, can be just recent to make it easy. Yeah, because I've done... Not I've, I've done a lot of tattoos I really fucking like. If I've posted it, I really fucking like that tattoo. But the other day, I mean, I did Skid Row's logo, and that was pretty sick. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a lot of, like, bigger pieces right now. I have a lot of in-progress ones. Like, I got a kiss sleeve that I'm working on, and obviously I'm stoked about that. And I'm working on a back piece on my biological dad. I'm stoked about that. Nice. And uh, I've been drawing a lot more flash lately. I needed to. So I'm drawing more flash and people are claiming that flash and I get excited anytime someone wants one of my flash tattoos. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've tattooed? Probably that tattoo on your leg, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that weird. It's it's, it's weird. It's no, it's the weirdest one I've done, and I tell people that, and I actively <laughs> tell the story of your tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you want to explain what it is? Yeah. So my tattoo is from the pilot of Regular Show. Um, it's a car putting gasoline into a man's butt, for a lack of a better way to explain it. That's what it is. Hell yeah. It is what it is, my dude. And it's sick. He's pumping it in. He's pumping it in. It's it's sick. I love that tattoo. (laughs) I think it's great. I'm sad for the day when you'll eventually cover it up. Yeah, it's coming up in about 3.30. (laughs) It's just like, it, it is genuinely the weirdest tattoo I've done because if you aren't like a fan of regular show or have seen the pilot, you have no idea. And it's just, you just see a guy getting fucked in the ass by a car. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god. Sorry. Fair enough. I, yeah, I don't think I've done much weirder than that, man. Really? What's the second weirdest? Like, have you... Oh, man. So when I was an apprentice, um, I was doing free tattoos and I drew like a bunch of bullshit because um, I didn't know what I was doing making tattoo designs. So like just bullshit line drawings. And one of them was the Oogie Boogie Man from Nightmare Before Christmas because it's easy as shit to draw. Mm-hmm. And the Oogie Boogie Man is a potato sack filled with maggots and worms, right? For sure. So this chick comes in and... She wants to get the Oogie Boogie Man tattooed on her from my, like, flash. And I was like, hell yeah, where do you want it? She says, I want it right here above my cooter. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, are you sure? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. So I'm tattooing her and like, she just, she said something that gave me the inclination she hadn't seen Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was like, yo, like, have you seen Nightmare Before Christmas? And she was like, no, I just really like this guy. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, man. And to this day, she still loves the tattoo. That's good. She loves it. But I'm kind of like, man, (laughs) are you sure? (laughs) Do you think she's seen it yet? I told her to watch it. And uh, but I don't I don't think she's the type of person that like takes in media for real. Oh, okay. Like, I think she just is in her own little world doing her... I think she's too much of a social person to sit down and watch anything. That's fair. Yeah. That's what I get. tattooed anyone's, like, name on somebody yet? Man, no. Um, But there was this one time at the shop I used to work at, and it, like, started a big fight. This girl who was, like, freshly 18, it was, like, she hit up the shop or something. It was... Either she hit up the shop or her boyfriend hit up the shop. And she was like, I want to get my boyfriend's name tattooed on me. And the reason was something about, like, proving loyalty or some Mm -hmm. shit like that. And she's, like, freshly 18. Yeah. And she wants it, like, right here on her chest. And she was like, we've only been together for three months, but I know he's the one. Like, type shit. That's horrible. And my boss was like, you should do it. Get the money. You should do it. Come on. She, if she's stupid enough to want to do this, you should do it. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing this. And it turned into like a pretty big argument, like throughout everyone in the shop. Like mm-hmm. we were all like debating our morality right there in that moment. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing it because it was going to be put on me because mm-hmm. I was the one that got like the scraps, you know, from the Facebook messages and shit. Right. But, um, I wound up not doing it, and my boss agreed that it wasn't a good idea to actually do. That's good. Yeah. I can imagine being 18 and being like, this is the love of my life. I can't wait to have him on my chest forever. Yeah, the only time I've ever tattooed a name on someone um, was actually my regulars. uh, They wouldn't want me to say their names online or anything. Okay. um, I tattooed their names on each other, but... I've never met a couple like them. Like, Mm -hmm. they are so down for each other. And, like, they've been together for 10 years, I think. Damn. Married for... uh, They were together for seven, and then they got married after the seven. (laughs) Is that four years? Three. Three years. Um, But they're they're so down for each other. Like, they... When you think of one, you think of both of them. You don't just think of one of them individually. Well, that's good. Yeah. But that's the only time. Because I typically tell people it's it's super bad luck. Because mm-hmm. it is. It's historically extremely bad luck. If you want to get an initial, that's cool. I did I did uh, tattoo my signature on someone, mm-hmm. which was silly. It was on uh, the same regular. Um, he wanted... I, I drew something that was kiss related, but he's not a fan of kiss, but he mm-hmm. wanted it because he liked, he thought it looked cool right. and it's an original drawing by me. Um, so he got it, but he was like, I'll get it under one stipulation. You have to sign it. And what was so ironic is that I had made fun of a tattooer 
for tattooing their signature oh my god on a tattoo and i was like ah the universe was trying to humble me right there <laughs> so i did i tattooed my signature on him with like the year and everything fair enough <laughs> i was just stoked to do a kiss tattoo i was like okay if this is what it takes to do a kiss tattoo i'll gladly put my signature there fair enough man what's your favorite type of tattoo like what style is your favorite I don't have a favorite style because there's so much cool shit that you're able to do within every style of tattooing. I think cyber sigilism is fucking ass. Like, if you were to ask me my least favorite type of style, it would be cyber sigilism. Mm -hmm. Because cyber sigilism now has broken off into almost like this cyber sigilism-esque fine line renaissance art type shit. I don't know how else to describe it, man, but it's BS art. It's mm -hmm. all completely traced. And, you know, it, it's like, don't get me wrong, I use references for my art, like anatomical references. Mm -hmm. Even for flowers sometimes, like I need a reference. But it's still my art because I stylize it. I just use it for anatomy purposes. Um... But these people are, like, completely copy and pasting, like, paintings from art museums and then putting, like, complete copies of... Like, it's not stylized. It's just, like, complete copies of other people's arts, other people's art, and just put in, onto you in a style that will not last, will fade completely. Mm -hmm. And, you know. But, I mean, I, I also do, like, small tattoos that won't necessarily last all too well, and I'll be the first to admit that. It's the tattoos I do that won't last as well, quote-unquote, will heal in a way that looks different from the original prod product, mm -hmm. but still looks good. Yeah. Like the pointillism shit I do, if you want to call it that, it's more peppering, peppering shading where it looks like a bunch of little dots. What's cool about that style is if it's done properly over the course of the years, it'll turn into normal looking shading. Right. So it has like a double life. Almost. Well, that's good. And yeah. I think that's cool. It is dope. I think th this is the real friend one you did on me, the peppering. Mm -hmm. And that will heal over the course of the years. What will happen is the smaller dots, the ones that are faded out, those will turn into a gray tone and it'll be a gradient from gray to black with mm -hmm. the harsher black dots and, you know, in the more black areas. It'll look really fucking cool over time, at least in my opinion. I've seen it healed and aged and it looks cool. Mm -hmm. People are just too, like, about that kind of stuff. Fair enough. <laughs> How do you feel about blackout tattoos? Um, I think it should be a last resort. Like, I think people who immediately go in wanting blackout, it all boils down to bodily autonomy at the end of the day. If you want this shit on your body, fucking get this shit on your body, and I'm not going to judge you for it. Mm -hmm. I will talk and dissect and critique the art and the artist, but I will never look at someone and be like, you're fucking stupid for getting that on your body. Right. So, with blackout, a lot of motherfuckers talk shit about blackout. And it's a valid art form, just like the, you know, you can argue the cyber sigilism and that kind of shit is a valid art form. Mm -hmm. It's all valid. It's all a way of self-expression and bodily autonomy and blah, 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 blah. Um, but 
for me personally, when people come in and they say, I want this tattoo covered up, can you do a blackout? I will look at them and be like, are you sure you want a blackout? Because we can do something else to cover this up. People put too many limitations on cover-ups. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to compromise and have maybe one or two lines showing through, you can get a badass fucking cover-up going on that's full color or black and gray. Like, people limit themselves too much because they don't know any better and they think blackout sleeves are the only fucking way to go. Right. If you want to do an artistic rendering and get, like, you know, a blackout sleeve in a specific way because you think it's cool or whatever, hell yeah, do your thing. But I think when you do blackout too, there's no going back. Right. No going back. And you cannot, you know, I've done it myself to see how it heals. Other tattooers have too. Putting white ink over black does not last. Stop trying to do it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't last. I did it one time and I will never do it again. It doesn't work. Good on you for setting limitations like that. I mean, you have to because, you know, when you're, at least for me when I was first starting out, I didn't put limitations on shit and you learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. And then it, you gotta like, it's like reparations. Like you gotta like make up for that. For sure. And there's a lot of making up I've had to do because I didn't put limitations on myself and recognize the boundaries that needed to be put on what I was doing. So, but I fix my mistakes. Like all my apprentice tattoos, if you want that shit covered up, I do that for free and I've done it. And if I've messed up on something, cover that shit up for free, fix it up for free, whatever you want, man. If it's a legit, you know, issue, I I will take care of it. That's so sick, dude. That's so sick. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tattooing is cool, man. It is cool. It's the closest you can get to being a rock star without having to make any fucking music. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it's the shit. I love tattooing. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about um, ignorant tattoos? Oh, the style of ignorant tattoos? Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, it boils down to bodily autonomy. I and... just wanted to know, like, your personal opinion. Because <sighs> um... it's definitely been growing, especially, like, on TikTok. I see, like, ignorant tattoos are just, like, blowing up. That's, like, what a lot of people want to get. Mm, okay, I think uh, it's a trend. Trends come and go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's kind of like a... It's kind of like when you're a collector and you look at prices of things and you like, you know, gauge how much something is worth by looking at other people's prices and people are willing to pay what someone, you know, says it's worth. Mm -hmm. And all of these people doing ignorant tattoos and, you know, making it more of a trend, they're giving it more worth. So more people are coming out doing ignorant tattoos. I don't think it's a valid style. I just don't. Mm -hmm. Um... I think it's a valid illustration style, maybe, sometimes. More for, like, uh, little comics, maybe. Oh, yeah, I agree. I could see a lot of, like, ignorant tattoos come from, like, those more scratchy-looking comics. Yeah, and I think those are cute. And, you know, if you want to get that tattooed on you, absolutely. But I think as a tattoo style, you know, I don't think much of it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't show up in my feed. It doesn't show up in my everyday life. It doesn't... I don't see it. So, if it is gaining popularity, I don't fucking see it. <laughs> um, 
Because it's not, you know, it's not worth my viewing. <laughs> Fair enough, dude. <laughs> Sorry, when I try to explain myself, like, I, I talk faster than I think. So, like, I'm not very eloquent, but I try to get out what I'm saying and it just goes on for too long. No, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Cool. And then my last tattoo-related question. If our listeners were going to get tattooed by you, do you want to share what your rate would be and what style you like doing the most? Yeah, man. Um, So, rate-wise, you know, it all depends on the tattoo. Mm-hmm. If you want a bigger piece, it's my hourly rate of 150 an hour. And there's tax. Sorry. The government got us in our grips. We got to put sales tax <laughs> on that shit. Fair. Um, and, you know, I don't... I'm shit about giving pricing, man. Um, I, you know, there will be t- tattooers who will say like, hand size this much, palm size this much. I don't fucking know. Show me the thing, the thing you want, and mm-hmm. I'll let you know what it will cost. I'll give you a range, but um, I'm not a very expensive tattooer because uh, I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> So don't expect to come in and want something that's like a fucking traditional rose and expect me to say, oh, it'll cost $600. No. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reasonably priced. That's good. I still charge my worth, though. As I'm, you should. I'm reasonably priced. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the best I can do about pricing. But um, style-wise, I don't know. If you're excited about it, I'm going to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. So if it's cool, hell yeah. If you're excited, hell yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I can't be more excited about something than you are that you're getting. So Fair. come in excited, I'll be excited. I let I do have one more tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever tattooed genitalia? No, I do. I'm actually a little bitter about this. Um, I had someone come in and want to schedule, and we had multiple consultations about this Mm -hmm. um they were a um f to m transgender non-binary person Mm -hmm. and uh they had bottom surgery and they were going to come in and get their genitalia tattooed to look more realistic to a dick and Mm -hmm. um we have multiple consultations because when you do something like that, um, I had to explain to them, like, listen, this is a, we're trying to make a flat surface look like a 3D surface with shading. Mm-hmm. From all angles, it's not going to look right. You know, from doing this, trying to add veins and stuff, it's not going to look right at certain angles. Mm-hmm. I need you to understand this. This is why we're having multiple consultations because there have been times in the past where tattooers have been sued because things didn't go exactly as the person had pictured in their brain. So you have to have multiple consultations to get the expectations down a little bit. Because you can only do so much with tattooing. For sure. Um, and then they stopped by, like, for their final consultation. They said, hey, dog, I'm moving to Arizona next week. And I was uh-huh. like, you know what? All right, man. Have fun. <laughs> so... And you're kind of bummed out about it. I was because, you know, um, it would have been, one, selfishly, because it would have looked great for my portfolio and it would have opened up 
me to a whole new realm of clientele coming my way. Mm-hmm. Selfish reasons. And then, you know, other reasons being like, it would have been fucking cool as shit to do. It would have been cool to provide that service. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool to see the outcome. Yeah. It just would have been cool in general. Mm-hmm. And this person like really fucking wanted it. And I was happy to do it. Um, but then, yeah, they were like, peace. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I hope they ended up getting it done. <laughs> I hope so, too. They were cool as fuck. They, one time, like, randomly, because they would deliver stuff to a barbershop on our street, like, uh, lotions and hair products and all this kind of stuff that they homemade. Mm-hmm. I actually have it in my bathroom. They brought me, like, shea butter stuff and, like, lip balm and, like, this bracelet they made and, like, all this kind of shit. And the shea butter lotion... It smells so fucking good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it smells so good. I literally, like, that is my lotion I save for, like, special occasions. Because it smells like, it smells like orange and cinnamon and mm. vanilla. Like, and it's like a mousse type lotion. Ooh, fancy. Shit is so fucking nice. <laughs> it's so nice. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, past tattooing. Obviously, your favorite band is Kiss. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to start talking <laughs> about them? Like, what is something you are dying to tell the listeners about your favorite band, Kiss? You know, so much. I could educate the world on Kiss. I know too much, and it's a problem. I, I know too much about classic, like, rock and metal in general. Because since I was in, like, fifth grade... It has just been my hyperfixation. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent watching interviews, watching documentaries, reading fucking books. You look at any of my books, there's so many. I mean, Steven Tyler, Alice Cooper. I'm reading Billy Idols right now. Like, I've spent so many years collecting vinyl, CDs, like everything imaginable that has to do with classic rock. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. And Kiss, for some reason, like, has a chokehold on me. Uh, I, I, I can't, like, necessarily explain it. Um, if I try to dig deep into it, I can't come up with a reason. It just is. I mm-hmm. just fucking love Kiss. Kiss rules. <laughs> and I don't know what it is lately, too. I've been really into Skid Row and, like, Sebastian Bach. Mm-hmm. And Sebastian Brock is just, like, this down-ass motherfucker who just... He's also a Kiss super fan. <laughs> and, like, and the whole... There's, like, the rumor on why Skid Row broke up is... I mean, he debunked it not too long ago on a podcast that I watched. But <laughs> it, the rumor for years, since the 90s, was that Skid Row broke up because the rest of the band said no to opening for Kiss... And Sebastian Bach ended the band because they said no to Kiss because <laughs> he's such a huge fan, which is like a half truth. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, yeah, but just Kiss rules. You talk to any motherfucker who is a well-known, you know, rock musician, they're going to bring up Kiss. Like, Kiss fucking influenced so many people. Um I don't know. I could tell you, like, dumb fun facts about Kiss. I have lots of those stored in this mm-hmm. brain. Name, I mean, wh- what would you like to know? Do you want to know raunchy shit? Shoot me shit? some facts. 
You want to know raunchy shit, or you want to know just, like, just anything? Let's do base level and then move to raunchy. Okay, okay. We don't want to freak people out too fast. <laughs> okay, so base level. Okay, let's start. Let's start. Chronological order, base level. So, Gene Simmons was born in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, his real name, I try to pronounce it, and just forgive me for pronouncing it incorrectly, but I try my hardest. His real name is Chaim Witz. Um, his mother was a Holocaust survivor. She was in Nazi concentration camps when she was 14 years old, and she survived because she was a hairdresser to the Nazi wives. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and that was, she was, a, she's originally from Hungary. So they're, they're a Jewish family. Um, she moved to Israel. She had Jean. And uh, Gene's first language was Hungarian and then Hebrew. Uh, he moved to the U.S. when he was eight years old. He didn't speak a lick of English, and he learned how to speak English from uh, old movies. He loved, like, old horror movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also read comic books. He collected comic books, and he actually became, like, a comic book dealer in new york when he was like a teenager that's really cool (laughs) yeah and he has like some of the rarest like comic books he also collects vhs tapes and betamaxes and he's been doing that since he was a kid as well Mm -hmm. or like teenager i guess i don't know when vhs tapes came out but um 60s 70s yeah okay so like when he was like a teenager um and he has like one of the largest collections in the world of vhs and betamax tapes Mainly horror, sci-fi, action. Like That's really cool. Yeah, and his face makeup, actually, the demon face makeup, is based off of um, the uh, character from London After Midnight, the, like, main character who wears the top hat, mm-hmm. the way his shadows would hit his face. It, it, was, it was reminiscent of the demon makeup when it first was a thing. So yeah, either London After Midnight or The Man Who Laughs. I can never remember which one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, so, Paul Stanley, uh, he was born in New York. And he was born in a Jewish family as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was born with a birth... I don't know what the proper term is now, because it's not the same as it used to be. I know it as birth defect, but I guess they refer to it as something else now. I'm not sure. What I'm not sure either. Um, but it's called a microtia. And so he was born without a right ear. So no ear, no ear canal. He was completely deaf. And he just had a lump of cartilage right there where the ear is supposed to be. So he's completely deaf. Um, and he actually is one of the few of these classic rock motherfuckers whose books I've read who talks openly about mental health, he started going to therapy on his own accord. Oh, wow. He started, like, he literally, when he was 15 years old, walked to a therapist's office and said, I want to schedule an appointment. And Mm. he started going to therapy, and he has been going to therapy ever since. Um, His microtia didn't get... So, normally, when people have a microtia, they get it fixed, like, at birth, but his family was poor, and they were like, no, we're not doing that. So he lived with it for a long time and working on it back in the day as an adult was more difficult and invasive. He, I think it was like he went through eight different surgeries and one of his final ones in the 80s, 
Gene Simmons was the only person to show up for him when he got that surgery. So Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, like, like that. Mm-hmm. Those are be- they're best buds. <laughs> but um, the those two started Kiss. Really, they were in a band called Wicked Lester before Kiss, and they were not like into this. Like the band got signed, Wicked Lester got signed, and they were like not super into it. They were like, this isn't it. Like this isn't the sound we want. So they were trying to fire everyone in Wicked Lester and make it their own band and stick with the record deal. And then the rest of the band was like, fuck you guys. No, you're out. You're fired. And they said, fine, we'll start our own thing. They put an uh, ad in the paper, um, in the like Rolling Stone or some shit like that. Peter Chris answered it. And everybody knows the like word. Every Kiss fan knows the fucking words in the ad. I don't. I don't remember. It's like band looking for a drummer with flash and balls or something like that. <laughs> Peter Chris called and they were like, yo, are you down to wear makeup? And Peter Chris was like, yeah. They're like, do you have long hair? Peter Chris was like, yeah. <laughs> they were like, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And Peter Chris was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the retelling of this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they put, they held open auditions. This was like in the seventies or late 60s early 70s or kiss was formed in like 1971 or two so um they put they had open auditions for a guitarist and they you know were interviewing this one guy that they really liked and then fucking ace frelly walks in wearing one red converse and one orange converse which was completely by accident he doesn't know shit so he just comes in, plugs his guitar into the amp, and starts fucking playing riffs. And everyone in the band was like, hey, can you, like, chill? We're talking to someone right here. Wait your fucking turn. And Ace was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then they, you know, got done interviewing the guy, and they went to talk to Ace, and they were like, all right, play this. And they start playing Deuce. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons were like, oh, fuck. We found it. This is... They were... They describe it as kismet. They knew it was fucking it. So they didn't have a name and they were coming up, trying to come up with names and they were in the car one day and it was complete silence. And Paul just turns around, looks at everyone and goes, what about kiss? And they were like, that's it. And then Ace Frehley designed the original logo and then Paul refined it. And what's so funny is the S's, they look a certain type of way. But when you really look at them, they aren't parallel. The second one is more crooked and Mm -hmm. fatter than the first S. You're right. So, it's very subtle, but it makes a fucking difference. For sure. But fun fact, in Germany, they aren't allowed to use that logo. They have a specific German logo. That's nuts. (laughs) Because it's too reminiscent of SS's. Yeah. Which yeah. is also ironic because they're fucking Jewish. <laughs> right. And, and Gene Simmons' mom is a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this wasn't... We're just guys being dudes with a cool fucking logo. Right. But that type of imagery is illegal in Germany. That makes complete sense. So when I went to see them in Germany, like the merch I got from them had the German Kiss logo on it. Mm-hmm. Which was really fucking cool. Um, and, like, on their website, there's a dedicated section to, like, German merchandise. Oh, wow. So so that's, like, 
base level mm-hmm. kind of basic history, base level fun facts, mm-hmm. some fun facts. Ace Frehley and Peter Chris. I don't know shit about Peter Chris because I don't fucking like Peter Chris. But Ace Frehley, fun facts, and the rest of them are a bit fucking raunchy. Yeah, let's dive in head first. Dive in head first? Okay. So, um, Gene Simmons is pretty, like, well-known for being a whore. And and one thing he's really known for is his Polaroid collection. Um, So, here's the thing. Gene Simmons has never drank. He doesn't fucking like to drink. He doesn't smoke. You know, he doesn't do anything like that. Mm-hmm. He just likes sex. And he's very loud about it. <laughs> um, and so he'll always say in interviews, like, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I had to take up some hobby, so I took up photography. <laughs> and so every woman he slept with, he took a Polaroid picture of them. Mm-hmm. And it became infamous because he had over, like, 10,000 Polaroid pictures. That's insane. He keeps his Polaroid collection in a safety deposit box. Like, he's very serious about this collection. And someone stole... Back in the 80s, someone stole part of his collection, and he was very upset about it. I don't blame him. Yeah. Um, He actually went on Oprah back in 1984, 86 with Paul Stanley and talked about it. And and it was actually an episode dedicated to groupie culture, and they had Pamela DeBar, who I have her book. Um, She uh, is probably one of the most famous groupies out there. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, they were talking about groupie culture and all that kind of stuff, and he brought up the Polaroid collection and how it was stolen. And it's just really interesting to groupie culture. Like, I don't know if you've ever delved into groupie culture. I have not. Oh, my God. It's as rich of a history as classic rock is. Mm -hmm. Like, without groupies, a lot of musicians wouldn't fucking be musicians. A lot of motherfuckers got into music for the groupies, the drugs, the booze. Like, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I digress. So, he has a Polaroid collection that's pretty renowned. Yeah, he doesn't drink or smoke. Um, but, I mean, I could get into that, but I don't know. That's, like, a lot. So, you read his book, and you find out why he is the way he is. Because it all boils down to trauma. Mm-hmm. But back then, like, what happened to him wasn't viewed necessarily as, like, trauma or anything fucking, you know that weird but you read it now and you're like oh shit i get it i get why you are the way you are Mm -hmm. but nobody's ever fucking looked you in the eyes and been like this happened to you that's why you are the way you are get some fucking therapy dog and work through this shit but now he's a 75 year old fucking you know dad who's retired and just wants to do shit with his kids and go on a solo tour because he can but um paul stanley He doesn't drink or smoke much. He was, like, very much a, like, I'm not going to let anything have control over me, but I will be a whore as well. And so he was a big old whore. And, um, (laughs) but he is a very serious songwriter. He actually wrote music for Bonnie Tyler, Celine Dion, Michael Bolton, like, all those motherfuckers back in the 80s who were huge. Mm Mm-hmm. He also was in Phantom of the Opera. He was in Phantom of the Opera in 1999 for 120 shows. And he's amazing. Um, He was actually, like, really fucking good. And I actually have the Playbill poster in my room of him as Phantom. He was killer in it. 
Um, Sebastian Bach, by the way, was on Broadway in Jekyll and Hyde, and he killed it, and it's fucking killer. He also was Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> oh my god. I wouldn't expect any, like, rock stars to be on Broadway. Dude, you'd be surprised at how many rock stars are on Broadway. They get hired... Especially, like, male, like, rock stars get hired a lot because they have the ability to sing those ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just so many people. I mean, Donny Osmond, he started out as just, like, a pop singer. And mm-hmm. now he's a Broadway, like, legend. Because they hired him because he can do all that stuff. Anyway, Ace Frehley. Ace Frehley is a crazy motherfucker. I love telling this story about Ace Frehley. So Ace Frehley used to be really good friends with John Belushi. You know who that is? Yeah. From SNL. Yeah. So, okay. So he used to be, like, really close friends with John Belushi. And John Belushi was a huge cokehead. And him and Dan Aykroyd, they had a bar that was dedicated to people who worked on SNL could come and hang out. It was, like, a very private bar just for SNL people to come and drink. Mm-hmm. So they would hang out there like privately and Ace became really good friends with John. So he would go hang out at that bar. And um, <laughs> so him and John would have competitions. And what they would do is they would make a two foot line of cocaine, like two of them. And they would have competitions between the two of them of who could snort the two foot line of cocaine the fastest. Oh my God. <laughs> Ace Frehley also was friends with Dimebag Daryl, and (laughs) Dimebag Daryl one time came over to where Ace was staying somewhere in, like, some hotel, you know? Mm -hmm. He came over, and he had two chicks with him, and he looked at Ace, and he was like, do whatever you want. They were prostitutes, and Dimebag bought them for the night, and Dimebag, like, didn't want anything to do with his prostitute, so Ace just had, like, this chicks suck his dick in front of Dimebag Daryl, and Dimebag Daryl just watched. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's in his book. <laughs> yeah, dude. And then one time, he's fairly back in the late 70s early 80s he was in a high speed chase with the police guess what fucking car he was driving in this high speed chase and he got away in this fucking car what was it a fucking delorean (laughs) a goddamn delorean which he then crashed into a tree (laughs) (laughs) this guy's fucking wild everyone talks about ozzy and how fucking crazy ozzy is Ace Frehley is just as fucking crazy. Ace Frehley, if, you know, if given the opportunity, yeah, Ace Frehley would have snorted up a line of, line of ants off the ground. He would have licked piss. He probably fucking did. But Ace Frehley doesn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading his book, and my boss asked me how it was. And I looked at him, and I was like, man, it's a great book, but... 
it is brutally apparent this was written by someone with brain damage. Like, mm, yeah. and you watch any Ace Frehley video, like, this man is not right in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't remember a lot of shit that he did, but everybody else does. And when you hear an Ace Frehley story, it's fucking insane. There is not one story I've heard about Ace Frehley that wasn't fucking insane. Even the story I have about Ace Frehley is fucking insane when I met him. It's fucking insane and it makes no s- Why did that ha- why? We were in Kent, Ohio. Why was this such a weird night with Ace Frehley? What the fuck? Anyway, that's a story for a different time. I'll, I'll tell you that a different time. Okay, okay. <laughs> but what's really fun, What one of my little hobbies that I like to do is how I can tie tattoo history in with classic rock history. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I found in my research was um, Ace Frehley and Paul Stanley one day in 1974, before they were really famous, because they got famous in 1975. Um, before they were famous, they were in California touring, and the hotel they were staying at was across the street from Wild Tuttle's shop that he had. So they walked over and they got tattooed by motherfucking Lyle Tuttle. And Ace Frehley got literally his name, Ace, tattooed on his arm. And Paul got a rose on his arm. And um, it's really fucking cool that they got tattooed by Lyle Tuttle. And Lyle Tuttle is a pioneer of the industry, whether motherfuckers like it or not. He's a pioneer of the industry. But Sailor Jerry hated his guts and said he would be the death of the tattoo industry. And when Lyle Tuttle got a Rolling Stones cover... Sailor Jerry took that cover and wiped his fucking ass with it after he took a shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Tattooers are so petty, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kiss is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was gonna tell you another thing about uh, Ace Frehley. Hmm. I can't remember what it was, but those motherfuckers are wild. I mean, anybody who was in classic rock back in the day, I mean, they were all fucking wild, but also they had nothing better to do than to be wild. They were on the road for months and there weren't phones. There wasn't shit. Mm -hmm. There was just them, the free booze they got from motherfuckers and the free drugs they got from motherfuckers and the girls throwing themselves at them. What the fuck else were they supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, shit. If I was in the fucking 80s, stuck on tour for months at a time, and that was all that I had in my possession, shit, yeah, I'd be getting fucked up doing wild shit every night. Same. Yeah, same. Absolutely. <laughs> what else? <laughs> what the fuck else are you supposed to do? Twiddle your thumbs, crochet, knit? I mean, I would have crocheted. That sounds like fun, but... I mean, shit, if I had a beer in my hand while crocheting, hell yeah. (laughs) But, like, of course there's crazy stories. And it's not like today. I mean, they all have this conversation, and I tread lightly with this conversation because I have my opinions. But, you know, back then there weren't as many uh, people watching you that closely Mm -hmm. or kind of seeing, like, what you're doing that's wrong or caring what you're doing that is wrong so people didn't have as many limitations if you will Mm -hmm. and did whatever the fuck they wanted 
um, not caring about repercussions. And of course, there's problematic shit in classic rock history mm, that yeah. also comes from groupie culture as well. I mean, there is so much problematic shit that went down. There's even problematic shit in Kiss's past, um, which I could talk about, but there's problematic shit with all of it. But classic rock history, I feel like it's more fascinating than anything else. Same with tattoo history. Tattoo history is just as good as classic rock history, but I digress. I've been talking a lot about Kiss and classic rock. Who's your favorite controversial? Like controversial music star? Yeah. Like back then? Hmm. I hate myself for it. I hate myself for it, okay? I fucking love the Smiths. Oh, me too. (laughs) Dude, I love the Smiths. There is, I tell you what, there is nothing like driving like on a cool day with your windows rolled down and fucking blasting the Smiths. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. You ever smoked a fucking joint and listened to the Smiths on vinyl? Hell yeah. But maybe I'll try it. Dude, I'll let you borrow any of my Smiths records. I have Smiths records. See? The Smiths rule. And people who pretend that their music doesn't rule, come on now. Mm-hmm. That music is great. And we all... It's kind of like having an aunt that's, like, not right in the head. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of like, she's our aunt, you know. Mm-hmm. We love her. That's like Morrissey to the music industry. (laughs) He's crazy as shit. He says weird fucking shit, but he's our Morrissey. (laughs) I would never listen to his solo stuff. Oh no, his solo stuff? No, 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 no. The Smiths is where it's at. Like the Johnny Marr, dude, his solo shit is great. I'll have to check it out. I actually really love his solo shit. It's very like Britpop. Mm-hmm. It's I like it a lot. Um, I'm so down for that. It's really I highly recommend it. But yeah, Morrissey. I like to call him Steven when I talk about him. Like with my coworker, we'll be like we'll listen to the Smiths and be like fucking Steven, because his real name is Steven and he hates he hates being called Steven. Mm-hmm. So me and my coworker specifically refer to Morrissey as Steven. As you should. Right. He, you know. But yeah, that's that's probably my most problematic like musician i'm a fan of i think because other motherfuckers i stopped listening to like i stopped listening to marilyn manson i should have stopped listening to marilyn manson a long time ago i saw marilyn manson tattoo on my facebook feed today are you serious there's a there's a uh, we'll talk about that okay okay but yeah uh that's crazy to me i mean when it comes to repeated sexual assault and stuff Mm -hmm. like that I mean, shit. Sexual, like, repeated sexual assault, even one-time sexual assault, man. Fucking blatant, inherent racism. Mm -hmm. Like, that type of shit, I don't fucking, you know. Fuck them. Yeah. But some motherfuckers will try to cancel a motherfucker for being addicted to drugs. Mm, And that's not right. No. And, like, when you're on drugs, you do fuck shit. You can't cancel a motherfucker for being addicted to something and not knowing what the fuck they're doing. If you try to tell me, like, it's just, that blows my mind that that's a thing that happens. You're going to cancel someone who's very clearly struggling. Fuck you. You're the problem. And you're going to have anxiety for the rest of your life watching over your shoulder, wondering if someone's going to cancel you for some shit. Because you're 
holding other people to these standards that you're not holding yourself to. That's ass. Anyway. <laughs> Let me get off my pedestal for a second. <laughs> Let me just jump off my high horse. <laughs> but, but still. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, that just about does it. <laughs> This is when you tell me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and I'm out, and I hope that you're not down. Peace. That was cute. Peace. <laughs> 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 <laughs>